You are listening to The Beckett Cook Show with your host, Beckett Cook. For more information about Beckett and his ministry, visit his website at beckettcook.com. To help support the podcast, visit patreon.com slash the Beckett Cook Show. Please consider subscribing to the podcast and leaving a five-star rating. Hey guys, welcome to the Becca Cook Show. I'm Becca Cook, and today I want to get back into Carl Truman's book, The Rise and Triumph of the Modern Self, and look at Karl Marx and Charles Darwin. Of course, Karl Marx, as you know, wrote The Communist Manifesto, which I had to read in college, which every college student has to read. And uh, I talked about this in another episode, but when you read The Communist Manifesto as a young person, it all seems so beautiful and perfect and amazing. It's like, wow, utopia is possible. Uh, and then until you realize that human nature makes it impossible. So, and then in college, I was pre-med, as some of you know, and I had to read On the Origin of Species by Charles Darwin. Uh, he also wrote The Descent of Man and other works, but on the origin of species was required reading. And I actually took an evolutionary biology class in college. And of course the professor was a complete and committed neo-Darwinianist. So, uh, so I got a heavy dose of Karl Marx and Darwin in college. And, and so just, in, just to give a brief overview of Marx, as you know, Marx, um, he wrote Das Kapital as well, but he, he believed that his, th that impersonal economic forces drove human history. That, that's what was driving human history, these impersonal economic forces. And he saw, uh, he saw society through the lens of class conflict. So the, between, there's conflict between the, the bourgeoisie and the proletariat or, the ruling class and the, the, the uh, working class. And so that's how Marx saw society. And he saw the resolution to that problem, that conflict uh, in the utopian idea of communism. And as you know, his, one of his famous slogans is from each according to his ability to each according to his needs. And, and Karl Marx urged workers, especially when he moved to London, he urged workers to unite and basically overthrow the ruling class by a violent revolution. So Marx, we see kind of the bloody results of Marx in the 20th century. I've talked about, about this a lot, but we see uh, the millions and millions of lives uh, destroyed by Marxism in the 20th century in the Soviet Union and uh, uh, Chairman Mao's China and in Pol Pot's Cambodia and other places as well. And in uh, Cuba, let's not forget Cuba. And so Marx had a severe detrimental effect on history, on society. And 
uh, as Darwin as well, which we'll get to. And as you know, Marx famously said, religion is the opium of the masses or the opium of the people. And Marx despised Christianity. He hated Christianity. He thought that religion um, was the result of alienation. So religion was just something that human beings went to because we were alienated because of the inequity in, in economic society. So according to Marx, religion offers false happiness to an unhappy world. And the tearing down of religion is, is a necessary precondition to true happiness. And his idea that religion is the opium of the people comes from his, his work. It's called the critique of Hegel's, the philosopher Hegel's, the critique of Hegel's philosophy of right. And Karl Marx says, religion is the sigh of the oppressed creature, the heart of a heartless world and the soul of soulless conditions. It is the opium of the people. Now listen to this. The abolition of religion as the illusory happiness of the people is the demand for their real happiness. So I talked about this before in an episode, but Karl Marx wanted to abolish religion, specifically Christianity. And so he wanted, he hated religion. He hated Christianity. And remember, he also, he and Engels, Frederick Engels, hated the family. They, because the family was naturally hierarchical. There was a, you know, hierarchical scheme in a family. So they wanted to not only abolish religion, but abolish the family. And we see today the results of, of Marx and Engels on the family. There's, you know, the extraordinarily high divorce rate, the, the utter dysfunction of, of the family and, and how that plays out in the culture and so many different ways and mental health issues and homelessness and drug addiction, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. So Marx was a lovely guy. <laughs> he had a lovely effect on culture. And, and we, so we've, we've gone obviously from, from cl- uh, class conflict. Marx's class conflict of the 19th century to today to cultural Marxism, where it's not about so much about class conflict as it is about intersectionality. And, and so we're seeing that being played out in CRT and, and, um, all kinds of other issues in our culture. And it is deeply pernicious and it's deeply anti-God and it, comes from Marx. It comes from his philosophy in the 19th century. And also Marx, Karl Marx abolishes the the idea of the pre-political. So any kind of social organization uh, is, is no longer free of politics. Everything is political now, as you know. I mean, every from uh, football games to the Boy Scouts to cake bakers to TV sitcoms to uh, pop music to social media. Everything is political. And that all comes from, from Karl Marx. And, and I mean, even on Twitter, when you go on Twitter, it's just like 
every other tweet is a political tweet. And um, even fashion is political. I, I It's funny because I was reading the New York Times this morning, my favorite paper. Um, <laughs> and there was a headline and it, it was about, it says the Met, the Metropolitan Museum of Art in New York, the Met, the Met plans an American fashion extravaganza. And the subtitle is the Met Gala will be in September and the Costume Institute announced its big show. The subject, American style, politics are involved. So the writers of this article in the New York Times, of course, had to put that in the subtitle. Politics are involved because they wanted to signal that that there's some redemptive quality about the Met Met Gala and that it's political. And so everything is political. And I remember, even as a kid, I remember, this is kind of a weird phenomenon, but I remember as a kid reading the newspaper and above the fold, like the front, you know, when we actually had physical newspapers, above the fold of the newspaper, so the most important part of the newspaper, it was always the, 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 the first, the biggest stories in the newspaper were political stories. It was always political. So politics was always number one in, in, uh, in the news. That, that's where, that's what it focused on immediately. So the political was always was number one. And I think that that has to be a result of Marx. Because he, again, he abolished the pre-political. So there was, there's nothing that's not political. And, and the po- political is the most important part of our society. It's the most important part of our culture because, again, the cultural political elites believe that we can solve all of human problems by politics. And of course, as Christians, we know that that's partially true. We can solve a lot of problems politically, but we cannot solve ultimate problems politically. And and we cannot change human nature by political policy and public policy. So, um, so yeah, it's just, that was just a weird phenomenon. And I always kind of wondered why is, why is politics always the top stories? Why is that the, the focus? And of course I finally get the answer. It's Marx and Charles Darwin really put an end to no pun intended to teleology, which is purpose or end or goal. So Charles Darwin by claiming his, and his theory of, of evolution claimed that human beings evolved by random mutation and natural selection. And so he completely cut off any teleology, any purpose, any meaning to human beings lives. So, and I talked about this last week. So again, with, Darwin and Darwin, Charles Darwin's theory of evolution is just assumed by the culture. Everyone just kind of assumes it. But what, what that does is 
completely does away with the concept of human dignity, of human rights, of any kind of meaning in life and any kind of purpose of hum- of our lives. So Darwin really put the nail in the coffin of human meaning and human purpose. And, and the, the Westminster Catechism, the first question is, what is the chief end of man, of humans? What is our chief goal, our teleology? What's our chief end? The answer, man's chief end is to glorify God and to enjoy him forever. That's, that's truly our chief end. That is our teleology as human beings is to glorify God and enjoy him forever. And Darwin flips that completely and removes God out of the equation completely and thereby removing any kind of teleology from human beings. And the reason Darwinianism or the theory of evolution is so pervasive today is that it's so easy to grasp. It's so easy to, to see that human beings look like apes. And so it's easy to kind of believe that we evolved from apes because they can be, you know, they can look so similar to human beings and there seems to be a connection to them. And so it's, it's, that's why Darwin's theory of evolution is so, it's just ubiquitous, but obviously the theory of evolution completely does away with the Genesis account of creation. And so human beings are no longer special, a special creation by God. We're no longer special creatures. We're not created in the image of God. So we don't have the Imago Dei on us. We're just, just, uh, we're just like any other animal. And that, and we just evolved from, from lower primates. And so, that has a huge, huge devastating effect on the human psyche and our culture is, is if we had, if we didn't, if we were not created by a creator, by God and endowed with rights and endowed with dignity and, and, and have the image of that creator, then what, what purpose is there? What, why are we here? Where did we come from? Why are we here and where are we going? So Darwin pulls the rug out from under any any purpose, as I said, any teleology. And I remember as a kid, I think I think evolution was even taught in my school, which was a Jesuit school, which is kind of funny. I, I can't remember exactly how they framed it, but... The Cambrian explosion blows a giant hole through Darwin's theory of evolution. I, um, I highly recommend reading Stephen Meyer. He wrote Darwin's Doubt, a book called Darwin's Doubt, which is amazing. Uh, he also wrote Signature in the Cell. And he just, I think he just came out with a new book called uh, The Return of the God Hypothesis. What's so important about the Cambrian explosion is that it is the sudden appearance of new animal forms and their distinctive body plans 530 million years ago. And so this fossil record 
contradicts Darwinism, contradicts neo-Darwinism, because we see fully formed animals in this fossil record, and we don't see kind of a gradual development and evolution of these these organisms. So the Cambrian explosion really blows a giant, as I said, blows a giant hole in Darwin's theory of evolution. So Darwin strips the world of intrinsic meaning through his theory of natural selection. He completely strips it. And Marx strips the world of intrinsic meaning through his radical and consistent materialism. And so the result is the same. The world in itself has no meaning. And meaning and significance can thus be given to it, but only by the actions of human beings. So there is no transcendent being. There is no other. There is no God. We can only find meaning within ourselves and within our our human actions. And that leaves us in a very, very dark place. And that's where we are in our culture today. And it's it's so destructive. And and it's it's I think it's the cause of so much depression in the world. When when you cut off teleology, when you cut off purpose or meaning, there's nothing else to do but be depressed. <laughs> And so, and so Karl Marx, Charles Darwin, and Friedrich Nietzsche all played a fundamental part in that and where we are today in our culture and the, the, the devastate, the devastation of our culture today. We're, we're going to get into Sigmund Freud next time. And, uh, and as I said, I'm, there's going to, I'm going to interview a couple of different people coming up. Uh, so we'll look forward to that, but in the meantime, thank you for watching and I will see you next week on the Becky cook show. Thank you. Thank you for listening to this episode of the Beckett cook show. Your support makes this content possible. All episodes of the Becky cook show are also available on YouTube. For more information about Beckett and his ministry, visit his website at beckettcook.com. Once in a generation, a podcast comes along with the power and eloquence to inspire us all. This show will entertain you while you wait for that one. Join two best friends, author and former history teacher John Driver and comedian Johnny W. for hilarious and authentic conversations about life, history, culture, faith, and everything in between. You can listen to Talk About That wherever you find your podcasts or at lifeaudio.com. 